morning in Nehemiah chapter number 2. Nehemiah chapter number 2. And I want us to ponder the thought of what are we striving to build? What are we striving to build? Once was a man who was walking down the road and noticed some stone masons working in the hot sun. He went up and he asked one of them, what are you doing? And he said, I'm laying brick. So we went to the second one, asked him what he was doing. He said, I'm building a wall. So we went to the third one, asked him the same question. What are you doing? He said, I'm raising a cathedral. They were all doing the same job, but again, it was their perspective on what they were doing. We need to stop and think oftentimes, what are we doing in our church? What are we trying to build? What are we trying to raise here? Are we just simply laying brick? Are we building a wall or are we raising a cathedral? When we stop and again examine everything we do in our services, each thing we do throughout our church, what is it that our ultimate goal is to do? What is it that we are to focus on and, and do with with what we're doing inside this building, inside this church. Are we trying to, again, exalt God? Are we trying to build the kingdom of God as we are commanded to do in Scripture? Again, it's a perspective and something you need to ask yourself. But as we look at the book of Nehemiah this morning, you may remember that Nehemiah was a Jew. Again, he was the cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes. He had received information that Jerusalem had fallen to waste. Again, the walls were crumbling. The gates, again, were burned. And the Jews were leaving this sanctified city. As a Jew, Nehemiah was brokenhearted. Again, the glorious city, would, which was considered to be the birthplace of everything that they believed, had fallen to nothing. Traditionally, uh, this is believed where uh, Abram had almost sacrificed Isaac. David had chosen this to be the, his capital city for the Jewish people. And this is where Solomon later built the temple. So again, it's a very prominent city in the Jewish religion. And Nehemiah here understood that. He had gone to the king. And he had asked if he had permission to leave his job as being the cupbearer to the king to go back and rebuild the city. But not only just to go back and rebuild the city, but also ask the king for his resources to do the task. So again, it was something that was very important for him. Uh, again, as a nobody to go asking something for the king. Nehemiah wanted to make sure it was done and done right. It was done according to God and what uh, was to be the prominent place of their belief. So what does rebuilding Jerusalem have to do with where we are today? We're not living in Jerusalem, but we need to stop and think about what are we building in our Jerusalem? Let's look here this morning. We'll look just at verse number 18 as we get started. Nehemiah chapter number 2 this morning. Verse number 18. It says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. I want to ask the question this morning, What are we striving to build in our Jerusalem? What are we striving to build in our Jerusalem? Let's have a word of prayer as we get started this morning. Lord, again, 
we thank you for the opportunity we've had to sing your praises, Lord, to, to lift you up in song, to give of our tithes and offerings, Lord, to, to bless you in our fellowship as well with one another. And Lord, I pray that you would help us this morning, uh, again, focus on your word. As we've been given this example of Nehemiah and all that he had done for uh, the nation of Israel and for Jerusalem there, Lord, help us to be mindful of our own people, of those that live in our Jerusalem, Lord, again, Help us to strive, help us to focus, help us to do our very best to build your kingdom here. Lord, uh, again, just direct us and guide us this morning. Lord, use me as only you can. Help my voice, help uh, what is being said this morning. Again, be an encouragement to your people, but also, Lord, to draw them to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us already today. Lord, just continue to direct us and guide us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Many times in Scripture we see the, the name Jerusalem or the, the city Jerusalem mentioned as oftentimes just as a, a reference point. And as you look back in the book of Acts, again as we understand the, the church was being commissioned and they were directed in that message to, to take the word, uh, the word of salvation to the entire world. We can look at Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 where it says, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses... And to Jerusalem, and into all Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Why was it that this was, command was given to them to go to Jerusalem? Because that's where they lived. Again, the Holy Spirit was telling them, you need to go to Jerusalem, where you're at. This is your starting point, where you live. But from there, you're to go to Judea, the outer regions of that area, to Samaria. Again, would be kind of maybe our country. We go to our, our town, our state, our country, or our county, however you want to word it. But then go to the uttermost parts of the earth. But it all starts where we are. It all starts right here. It all starts where we live. We're to take the same principle and apply it to where we're at right now. But the first thing I want you to see this morning is found in verse number 18. And that is the proclamation. The proclamation. And they said, let us rise up and build. I've often wondered what past generations would think about where we are today. Uh, again, if our great-grandparents would have come back today and see what all we have. What we've been blessed with. But also, what are we doing spiritually and promoting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? What would they think? Would they be, maybe react as Nehemiah did? Let me go back and rebuild. Let me go back and do my part. Let me go back and help again. Or would they be thrilled that we are continuing, that we are doing? You know, generations of the past have sacrificed so much for what we have today. I often think about those that have given their lives, the martyrs of the faith, if you would. John Wycliffe, who had given his life. John Huss. William Tyndall, you know, the list can go on and on. All those that have sacrificed their life, martyrs for the faith. They were the ones that were protesting the Catholic Church. They were against uh, having a state-ran church. They were against not having the Word of God in the natural language of those around them. And they fought that fight, that good fight of faith. They were the ones that were able to establish the English Bible. Think about what you have in your lap this morning in your hands. The lives that were lost just for this book that we have. I'm glad I don't have to read it in Latin. I'm glad I don't have to understand Greek and Hebrew. Uh, because those are, are, again, difficult languages to understand. I barely understand English. 
but I'm thankful that I've got it in my, my native tongue, that I can read it, look at it, and read and study for myself. I don't have to go to someone else and have him explain it to me. I don't have to go to another mediator. But again, we have the Lord Jesus Christ as our mediator. And I'm so thankful for that. But again, there's a lot of times we look at our lives and we take for granted the things we have. As was mentioned this morning, I'm thankful for a roof. Thankful for a bed. All those little things that God has blessed us with. But spiritually thinking, think about the Bible we have. And so much that it took for us to get that. We take it for granted. I don't know how many Bibles you've got laying around your house, but I've got quite a few. got a few in my office, and I've got one on my phone. I've got one on my tablet. Uh, they're everywhere, it seems like. We've got more access to the Word of God, but yet we spend less time in it. But again, what if that previous generation came back and saw what we were doing. Maybe those in our own community, those that have gone before us, those previous pastors and faithful members of the other churches of yesteryear were to come back and see what we are doing. Would they be pleased by what they would find? Would they be excited about what we are doing for God? Would they be happy that we are continuing to fight the good fight of faith? Again, it's been said before that we are one generation away from closing the doors of this church. And that should make you stop and think for a moment. I remember nine years ago when I came here. I remember how many kids we had here. I remember how many teenagers we had. Quite a few. 10, 15, maybe sometimes even up to 20. I think we had 21, 22 at one time. Teenagers. This morning... I can only think of a couple that are faithfully attending any type of church whatsoever. And that's not because of me. That's because of those before me. I was able to come alongside and, and pick that up and keep going. But where are we today? What is happening today? Where are the, the people of tomorrow? Oftentimes we think about those kids in the back being the church of tomorrow, but they are the church of today if we don't train them. Uh, again, we've got to train them right and help them, prepare them to continue to fight the good fight of faith. We need to proclaim this message that was given here. Let us... Notice that word us. Let us rise up and build. Let us be a part of the solution. Let us work together. Let us strive together uh, again as one body of believers to do what God has called us to do. This is why it's been put on the back wall behind us. We find every time we walk in the sanctuary, go ye to all the world and preach the gospel. That's not just for me. That's for every member of this church. That's for every born-again believer. To make sure that we're giving God's message. But it all starts in our community. It starts where we live. We need everyone in Oswatomie to know that there's a Savior who died for their sins and is one day coming back. We need to tell everyone at Paola that God sent His Son to pay for our sin debt. That we can enjoy the splendors of heaven. This is the reason God left us here on this earth. So we could share His message. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Everyone in the community needs to hear this message. But more importantly, we have family members 
they need to hear that message. Your Jerusalem starts in your house, your family. It must be a sincere action of love for them and a love for our Lord. No one says it's going to be easy. Understand this, Satan is going to try every trick in the book he has to try to keep you from doing anything like that spiritual. He doesn't want you to witness to your family. He doesn't want you to tell your, your loved ones that Jesus died for them and that you love them enough that you want to give them that message. He's going to give you every excuse not to do it. Well, I can't do that because I won't have all the answers if they ask me a question. Uh, neither will I. Well, I can't because uh, uh, they may not like me. They, they, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how they're going to react. We still need to give that message. We still need to be faithful in sharing that message. This is the proclamation. The question is, are you doing your part to spread the good news? Are you trying to reach your community? Are you trying to tell your family what God has done? So they can understand the salvation of God. Again, this is not something new. This is something that needs to be told again and again. We need to be told to the next generation, to those in the back. And that's what they're being taught this morning. We need to tell it to those in the nursery. Even though we say, well, they're babies, they don't understand. They still need to hear the message. As they continue to grow, they can grasp a hold of that understanding of what God has done. Everything needs to be pointed to God. He has done so much for us. And ask very little of us to do in return. But the main thing is to proclaim his message. The second thing I want you to see this morning is the preparation. The preparation, again, found in verse number 18. The end of that says, So they strengthen their hands for this good work. They perform certain motions and specific methods to prepare themselves to build. Now, I will admit, I am not much of a builder. Notice there are no calluses on these hands. Uh, my back is not very strong. And my mind is, does not know a whole lot about building. But if God was to call me to do that, you know what I would do? I would prepare in those areas to do what He's called me to do. I would strengthen my hands. I would strengthen my back. I would learn. I would study. I would do whatever it took to do what God has called me to do. Because again, He says, let us strengthen their hands for this good work. God has called each one of us to do a good work. He's called us to do different things, different jobs, different areas that we need to learn to strengthen ourselves in doing that. We have to make it a point to prepare. And that even goes in our spiritual context as well. We need to prepare to share the good news. Again, I'm afraid there's too many Christians today that are afraid to speak out on Christ and, and to share that message. They're scared that they won't have all the answers. They're scared that they, they won't say the right things. This is where study comes in the, the part of the, the solution. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, again is our memory verse this week. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We must work at knowing Scripture, being familiar with it so we can share the plan of salvation, so we can offer that comfort during difficult times, so we can encourage others to continue to follow God. Studying is more than just reading. Notice that verse did not say, read to show thyself approved unto God. It says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Do we need to read the Bible? Yes, of course we do. But we need to study it as well. We need to take time to meditate on it. We need to ponder the thoughts, understand the principles that are there so we can apply them to our lives. 
we need to memorize Scripture as well. Again, a memory verse that we have each week is there to help us to get a, a better understanding of maybe some key doctrines that we have in Scripture. Or maybe it's there to help us to stay in tune with how God would have us to live. Again, we understand Psalms 119.11. We sing the song all the time. Our Scripture songs tells us, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against Thee. So that's the reason that we're to, to take those scriptures and hide them in our heart because it's going to help us as we go through our lives. We want to be obedient to the Lord. But in order to do that, we must know what His Word has to say. Some say, well, well I just can't memorize. My question to you is, have you tried? It's not a one and done thing. I don't know how many times I go through my memory verse each week. And there are days I don't get it. There are weeks that I can't raise my hand and say, yes, I've got my memory verse. I've got parts and pieces and bits and this. And my mind is so uh, crazy sometimes. I can't get it all focused. But that doesn't mean I'm to stop trying. That doesn't mean I'm to put it aside and say, well, that was just too hard for me this week. I'm not going to do it. No, I study and I continue to, to try. And that's what we need to make sure we're doing as well. Again, taking the effort to apply it and put it into our heart. But not only memorize it, but when was the last time you, you picked up some tracks off the back rack and handed them out to give them to somebody? For those that cannot talk to people, those that have the problem with addressing someone or not having the answer, it's great when you can just have a track and just ask somebody to read it. Hey, can you read this? Hey, can you read this? Hey, would you mind reading this? Get a chance, can you read that? Those are great things to leave in places as well. Everybody goes to the doctor, right? Why not leave them there? Everybody goes to Walmart, right? Unfortunately, yes. Why not take them there? Hand them out. Give them to the cashier when you're checking out. Hey, uh, when you have a break, hey, take time to read this. Don't say, hey, stop what you're doing right now. You're working. I don't want to take you away from that. But hey, can you read this on your break? You ever stuck them in the gas pumps? Great places. There's, there's all sorts of places you can put them. But we've got to be prepared enough to do that. That means when we leave to this morning, we grab some off the track rack. We put them in our pocket and pray and say, Lord, give me the opportunity to hand these out. Help me to be a witness. Give me a direction that I can do that. And that's probably one of the most important things to do is pray about it. Lord, who is it that you would put in front of me today that I can talk to about you? Who is it that I can address and, and ask if they know where they're going to spend eternity? Hey, Lord, give me somebody that I can give this track to. Uh, you know me, I'm scared to death. But I, but I want to share this message. Give me that opportunity. Preparation is an important part of our witness and our walk with God. But keep in mind, there's always going to be the problems that come along the way. Number three this morning is the problem. The problem, as we find there in verse number 19, it says, When Sadballat the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Gershom the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn, and they despised us and said, What is this that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Nehemiah and all the Jews had gathered in Jerusalem to run into some opposition that was already there. Here was a list of these three individuals that were against what was going on in Jerusalem. Sanballat was a man who was of some type of authority in Samaria. Tobiah was a servant. Jeshem was probably a chief in some Arabian tribe. 
But these were three of the ringleaders that opposed the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Notice their method there. First of all, it says in verse number 19, they laughed them to scorn. They made fun of them. They mocked them. When we go out into the world to try to tell others about God and what He has done, we will be treated the same way by many. There have been some that, and when we go out on Tuesday nights or Tuesday afternoons, there are some that are excited say, you know, I'm, I go to such and such church, but I'm glad you're doing this. I want to tell them, well, why aren't you doing it? We're all supposed to be doing it. But, but you know, I just politely say, well, I'm, I'm glad, and, and if you need a church, we'd love to have you. But again, we're all to be doing that. We're all to, to be sharing that message. But there are some that are against what we do. Stop and think about anybody that's in any, any public office or that's uh, known around anywhere. Anytime they profess the name of Christ, they've got a bullseye put on their back. You stop and think about all the ones that get picked on, all the ones that get made fun of throughout a variety of areas. It's always those who profess Christ. Against, uh, again, they're constantly just deriding them because they have the opportunity or because they proclaim Christ. We must remember that the Lord Himself was mocked. You go back and you look in Matthew chapter 27, verse 29. It says, And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon His head and a reed in His hand. And they bowed the knee before Him, and they mocked Him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. After they mocked Him, of course, they stripped Him. And nailed him to a cross. We don't have to go to that extreme, thankfully. But there may be times when we get ridiculed. When we get mocked and made fun of for our belief. But is being laughed at enough to keep you from following the Lord's command. The writer in Nehemiah also says that they despised us. They hated them. But what was the reason for their hate? Well, you stop and think... About the Horonites and the Ammonites, they were two groups of people that the Lord had to drive out of the promised land before the Israelites came marching in. Satan, uh, again, does not want anybody to focus and believe what we believe. So he's going to put everything and anything he can in their way to keep them from believing, but also to keep us from sharing that message. Those that hate believers do it maybe because of past experiences or maybe because of our own flaws. There's a variety of things to stop and think about. But understand this. Who they hate is not us. It's not you. It's not me. But it's God Himself. We are going to represent God, but yet it is Him that they are against, not us. We are also hated because of what others do in the name of religion or in the name of serving their God. They cause wars and they do this and do that because they're saying, I'm doing it because of God. And there are some that will associate us in that same area. So there are times when we get uh, falsely accused or we get looked at wrongly for what we believe because of other people. But again, that should not keep us from sharing that message. That should not hinder our witness. We are told to go out and share that message. Don't let it stop you from sharing that with someone else. We finally, we see that they were accused of going against the king. They were saying that they're going to be rebelling against the king, but these men were leaders in their own nations and tribes. They were using any and every tactic possible to keep them from rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. But little did they know that Nehemiah had already talked to the king. 
He already had permission from the king, not only King Artaxerxes, but of course, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. As Christians, we have the king's permission to proudly and promptly proclaim the good news of the Lord Jesus and to work building his kingdom here on this earth. And this brought about, number four this morning, the prosperity. The prosperity. Look with me at verse number 20. Then answered I them, and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Nehemiah says, We have a right to build. Not only from the king, but also from God himself. And Nehemiah didn't hold back. He didn't shy away from answering their questions and what they uh, were trying to accuse him of. He pointedly directed them and gave them his authority. We should have that same confidence in God as well. We looked at a couple of weeks ago, we looked at Caleb and Joshua who had confidence in their God. Again, as leading the nation of Israel uh, out of Egypt and going into the promised land, they were the ones that gave the good report. They're the ones that said, hey, God promised us this land and we've gone and saw it and it's wonderful, it's great. We should go and claim it. And they were the only ones over the age of 20 that were able to go into the promised land. But there were others that were against it. The prosperity that we have this morning, the prosperity that God has blessed us with, goes far beyond what we probably could ever imagine. But it's because we have our confidence in God. David had confidence in God when he wrote Psalms chapter 23, verse number 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 12, verse number 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also become my salvation. How confident are you in God? I know we had a Sunday school lesson just last week about our confidence in God. How confident are we in God and what He can do for us? When trials come, trust God. When difficulties arise, trust God. Again, we sing songs like, only trust Him, trust and obey. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. We name quite a few songs, but yet, do we stop and think about the words of those songs as we're singing them? Do we allow them to resonate in our hearts and minds? And do we put God to the test and trust Him as those songs say? How many times do we fight our own battles in our own way instead of giving it to God and letting Him fight for us? Well, I trust you, God, if you would do it my way. Oh, Lord, I would trust you uh, every day if you would just do it this way. Uh, Lord, I want it done that way. And I can't trust you because you don't do it the way I want. But the Bible tells us that His thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are His ways our ways, saith the Lord. He's going to do it the perfect way which may not be our way, believe it or not. I don't want to build this church my way. I don't want to build this church your way. I want this church built God's way. God's way is the only way, and it's the perfect way. And when it's done right, then we see the finished product. Number five this morning is the product. Look with me at chapter 3, verse number 1. Elisha the high priest rose up with his brethren the priest and they built the sheep gate. They sanctified it and set up the doors of it even unto the tower of 
Mia. They sanctified it under the tower of Haniel. The high priest and the other priest had rebuilt the sheep gate in the northeastern part of the city. They rebuilt the wall. They sanctified it. They set up the doors. And this was the beginning of the rebuilding because this is where the sheep would come in that was to be brought to sacrifice. This is why it's the first thing mentioned. This is why it was so important. What does Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 tell us? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. That's exactly what they were doing. They were seeking first God. Hey, let's get the sheep gate prepared and set up. Let's get that wall set up to where we can bring the sheep in. So we can worship our God and offer Him sacrifices. Because He needs to be first. And that's exactly what the priests were doing. The priest had taken ownership of this area. This was their portion that they needed to prepare. This was where they were to, again, offer the sacrifice. It was part of their responsibility. Each one of us have been given a responsibility. Each one of us has been given our specific portions of this church and how we are to serve and what we are to do. But we need to take ownership in it. We need to understand what is it that I'm to do. Lord, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to serve? And how is it you want me to serve? And that's what will help us strive together to build and take ownership of what we are to do here. Let me finish with this. There was an elderly master carpenter at one time who was ready to retire. He had told his employer, look, uh, I'm, I'm older I want to spend some time with my family. I want to get away, get out of the business of building houses. And the owner of the business said, you know, I don't want to lose this guy. He's such a wonderful builder. He said, but I understand. He said, but can you do me one, one final favor? Will you build me one final house? And the carpenter agreed. He said, sure, I'll build one more house. And you could tell his heart was not in it. As he began to build it, the workmanship was not the way it should have been. Shoddy workmanship. Inferior materials were used. And again, he was just trying to get through and finish the job. And as he completed the house, the builder came back and looked at it and said, You know what? I'm going to say thanks for all your hard work over these years. And I'm going to give you the keys to this house. Never understanding the house he was building was going to be his own. But yet he didn't take time to do it right. He just did it to get through it. I think a lot of people in the Christian life just want to do it to get through it. They don't want to give their best. They don't want to give their all in doing what God has called them to do. This morning I want you to ask yourself this question. What are you doing for God? Are you helping build His kingdom? Are you obedient to His call in your life? We all have a job to do. And in that job, there are two questions to ask yourself. Are you doing what you're supposed to do? And are you doing the best you can? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. So we have a time of invitation. Consider the job Nehemiah had to do. He was faithful.